0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the InDefense of Plants podcast, the official podcast of of InDefenseofPlants.com. What's up? This is your host, Matt. Welcome to the show. How is everyone doing this week? Speaking of this week, we are diving back into the coffers to look at an old episode that I think didn't get the attention it deserved when it came out. There's a lot of new eyes and ears on the podcast these days, and what better time than now to release it? Also, an interview I had this week fell through, so this is what we're doing. Today, we're going to revisit a really fun conversation I had with a botanist named Florian Edel. We did this in the forests of Costa Rica, so you're going to get all of the wonderful background noise that comes with that. But Florian's interest includes chemical ecology and pollination, and he looks at that through some of the most familiar genera to most of you listening. We're talking genera that contain a lot of our favorite houseplants, such as philodendron, anthurium, defembacchia, and spathophyllum. Florian's insights into this world are going to make you appreciate those plants even more than you already do, but who better than him to tell you about it? So without further ado, here's my conversation with Florian Edel. I hope you enjoy.
1: Aeroid garden, a racy garden. I tried to... Get all species from the Gulf of Dulce region here, from South nice. Pacific, Costa Rica, and plant them here near the trees when they are climber or here in this huh. part here. And then I can observe the flowers here. Yeah. This one and go around. And this is like a, like a sandwalk of Darwin.
0: I, I love it. do you think <laughs> you go here like this, yeah. It's inspiration. Yeah. It's, I need a screen. People need that. I think being outside helps generate questions, provides inspiration, observation. It's crazy. In the rainy season, yeah. if it rains, like half an hour later,
1: it's completely full with water. Wow. And then, after a few hours of rain,
0: the water will go down again to this. Instant flux. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's that's many meters. Because
1: I thought, oh, in the rainy season, this must be always full. Yeah, just but it's not raging. like this. It's just, it's like this in the morning, And then 2 o'clock in the afternoon it starts raining heavily, this is full, like 2 meters up and then after the rain at 5 o'clock goes down again to this. The next day is
0: like this. (laughs) That's so cool. Everything happens quick.
1: That was a Jesus Christ lizard running over water. Really? Doing what it's supposed to do?
0: Or named for, I should say.
1: Here is also like, oh wow, what is that species? This is Philodendron bilburi. bilburi. And this is a very nice one because it's a high canopy species. Okay. It grows up to trees forty meters. Wow. And and it makes these long roots. And the already the indigenous people use this. It's it's totally strong. Yeah. And oh, wow.
0: have a smell. It smells so good. Ooh, spicy. When you very touch nice it, it's and spicy. Like, yeah. Wow. That's that's awesome. So it's getting up into the canopy and then sending these roots down for added added like, nutrients. Exactly, yeah. Wow, and, it's and up there and you can you
1: can find like you can find like trees where you have a curtain of these roots like uh, 5 meters only these roots
0: so incredibly useful to anyone living in the, the exactly. forest
1: So i think they made like baskets out of it sure.
0: and, and and hammocks and well you don't need more in the forest <laughs> <A best laughs> it, that takes there. care of it yeah yeah <laughs> all my needs are met carry food lay down
1: yeah and then go here, and there is even a small frog pond. Did you hear all these? these oh, yeah. Beep, beep, beep. These are um, poison dart frogs. Really? Rocket frogs,
0: actually. The ones with the little black stripe? Yeah. Incredible. You build this pond, or was this here?
1: Yeah, I made this pond, yeah. <laughs> it's nice. It's full with life. I love oh, this. When yeah, I was a kid tent tent already, tent 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 I needed this, this yeah. small ponds. You have a lot of tadpoles inside. Mm. All different sizes, and we have the red-eyed tree frogs coming there after rain, putting the eggs under the leaves. Wow,
0: the gelatinous. I don't know if we
1: see one now, but normally there is one.
0: At least there's something up here. Oh yeah, exactly.
1: There, that's yeah. the eggs of the red-eyed tree frog. A
0: cluster of gelatinous eggs. Wow. Yeah, look at that little. And they're, they're moving. They're moving. They're, they're yep. moving. Ah. Oh, that's amazing. And then they just drop bloop, right yeah, into the water. Just drop into the water. Thanks, And leaves. they
1: can they can distinguish. There was a study. They can distinguish between wasps crawling on the leaf and raindrops. Oh, because if oops. oh they
0: fall maybe I don't know if or those are probably just rain. They
1: but they can distinguish. So if their wasp is coming, they drop uh, earlier than uh, if it's
0: just raining. Predators. Yeah, there's a bunch right above us oh, yeah. too. Yeah, even more. Wow. Yeah, those nice. are yeah. brand They're fresh. And here too, look. Wow. Probably after the big rain yesterday. Yeah. And and it was a rain yesterday, that's for sure. Look. Oh that's gorgeous. Like little pearls. Oh there's so we have like the little pearls, then like the little fetus sort of just wiggly things, and yeah. then these have uh, they already, eyes. They
1: already have eyes, yeah.
0: Incredible. Cool. These are things that uh, you know, us temperate folk just see on TV. So to see it in person is just Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, joys we look,
1: is. we look for the red-eyed tree frog. Every night, because yeah. it's so beautiful and...
0: Do you see him often?
1: Yeah, I can... Tonight I can show you. Sure. I can even call him. Oh! It's like... Like this. <laughs>
0: You're very good at that. <laughs> Incredible.
1: And here goes the sand out. And there are all these aeroids, planted. It's even, beautiful. Even some which are used as ornamentals here and are sure. from Asia. Yeah. I mean, but I've the, had those in pots before. The people know all these plants, you know, it's... Batisplum and Alocasia
0: and Philodendrons and anturiums. Yeah, I mean, anyone listening now will have undoubtedly either encountered them or grown them themselves. I mean, it's these are common genera, but you know, what's essentially a potted plant most places is, is doing these, these fascinating things in the wild, and that's that's part of what you do, correct? Yeah, that's that's also the fascinating thing, I think. You you know these plants, so these different bachers
1: here? The leaves we only buy them because of the leaves. Right. But they cannot or some of them even flower in the in the house. But in the field they will be able to climb. Mm. Normally you only notice small leaves in the in the in the living room, the small leaves always right. climbing everywhere. But if they reach their if they get to a tree and reach their five meters or even here and two meters high, they explode they like get big leaves and then they start flowering and that is what we need to study to understand the biology of the plant the reproduction because only here we have the insects and imagine how how fascinating it would be for grandmother who has the spodiphyllums at home and the anthuriums to know that Beautiful orchid bees are normally visiting this these little gems and this smell that that you smell is just to attract them and uh, It's incredible. I would like to 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 show people who have these plants at home How incredible they are in the wild
0: Actually, right right because again these often just fall into the backdrop they're easy to grow people kind of get them and forget about them when they want to have something coloring their room, but just to know, I mean, hearing you talk over the last couple of days about what you're doing with your studies and what we're going to get into here in a little bit, it's 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 unlocked a whole new world of appreciation, even for me, who who's obsessed with plants and, and has a general fondness for aeroids. I had no idea the complexity of what was going on here. So let's back up. Who are you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. My name is Florian Etel.
1: And I'm PhD student from Vienna, Austria, and I work in Costa Rica in this field station here. Where we're at? We're at uh, La Gamba? Yeah, we're in the La Gamba Tropical Field Station in South Pacific Costa Rica in the lowland rainforest in the middle of the national park Piedras Blancas. And this field station is run by the University of Vienna, where I do my PhD. And I come here several times already to get my data to investigate the plants and i need to stay here for a couple of time always because when i have a plant i will not have for sure that this plant is flowering so i need to wait until they flower they have different seasons so if you want to know about the phenology you have to be here in the rainy season (laughs) in the dry season and then you start to learn okay which plant is flowering in february which plant is flowering in august in the rainy season And if you're here in February in the dry season, you have a bunch of plants all flowering together. And then you ask yourself, okay, who is the pollinator? And then you maybe find out, okay, this philodendron species here, they're all pollinated by scarab beetles. They look like the May beetles that everybody knows. Mm. And they meet in these inflorescences to copulate. And there are probably here around 20 to 30 different philodendron species, Wow! only in this garden, in this forest around this field station, and they all have these nearly similar-looking flowers. But the scent and the time when they produce the scent during the night, because they're all nocturnal, they attract night-active scarab beetles, but some of them Exactly produce the scent at six o'clock, some of them produce the scent wow. at eight o'clock at nine o'clock at ten o'clock, and then they all have this specific scent made by a few molecules, and this attracts these beetles and There are around five to six beetle species who pollinate all these thirty to forty philodendron species not not only philodendron also the genus dibachia and Homalomena and caladium. <laughs> they are all pollinated by these beetles. But these, be- this, these beetles are covered with the pollen of the plant where they left this night. So the plant needs to be sure that this beetle is going to the exact same species. Otherwise you have hybrids or you have lost all your pollen. Yeah, dead end. And that is when the closing time of the flower kicks in. Because they don't even... Only open and flower at a specific time when they produce the scent, they also close in the next evening at a specific time, and that is when they throw out the beetles. It's like in a, in a pub. <laughs> okay, now last <laughs> drink, you have to go. And this is exactly at, this, at the same time when the other individuals of the same oh, species man. produce the scent. So it doesn't matter what time of the night you smell, as long as you throw out. The beetle at the same time on the next day because this flower has a female face attracts the beetle Then this beetle stays for 24 hours and then is the male face put the pollen on the beetle And then you need to kick him out to go exactly this time into the dark forest again fly and look for the same
0: Scent again that he found yesterday. So that synchrony is so important. That is very important. This. Yeah, wow so all of this is happening unbeknownst to most. Again, this is stuff that probably people will recognize the flowers, but the complexity of what's going on behind the scenes is what really makes these species all the more fascinating. But it doesn't end there. There's there's you mentioned orchid bees earlier, there's other pollination symptoms yeah, I going mean, on with aeroids. It's not just beetles.
1: This is this is there are several you call these pollination systems. So you have beetle pollination, you have bee pollination. It now I talk generally, okay. Yeah, In the plant yeah. kingdom. So you have plants that are pollinated by beetles, some pollinated by bees, most of them probably, some by butterflies, some by small fruit flies, and some by weird insects, even cockroaches or Hmm. what you can imagine. And these groups of plants that share the same pollinator type, they have a specific time or scent which they produce to attract this group of pollinators. And within the aeroids, the eraceae, you have 4,000 species in this family most of them probably more than 3,000 occur only in tropics and the crazy thing is that Anthurium and Philodendron are the largest genera of this family the most known also and they are about 2500 species so more than half of all aeroids are these two genera they only occur in the neotropics of also in the tropics of America, in the neotropics. Huh. And then is the question, how is it possible that there was such a radiation to produce so many different species? They all look a little bit alike in the in the flower. Right. But only the smell is differentiating between all these pollinators. And then you can have uh. totally different smells. That means okay, now I attract only flies. If, if you are an anthurium that smells like rotten fruits or fruits and then you can be sure okay this will attract probably flies mm. and then it depends which time of the day if it's in the night it might attract different insects that go for rotting fruits maybe cockroaches or something or some some beetles that normally go for fruits so they will all be attracted to this fruit scents. then you have some of the anthuriums they smell like perfumes like Chewing gum, perfume, <laughs> or, or or mouth mouthwash water, this kind of things. Wow. Like this smell is, for example, methyl benzoate or methyl salicylate. These are all things that are used in, if you want to make candies smell mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. So, these substances are used also in in the human food processing, but. If if, if, a, if a plant smells like this here at least in in Costa Rica and in the New Tropics, you you can be
0: sure that there will be some orchid bees coming. Right, and that's one of the main reasons we've just met is because we're here at this international symposium on orchid bees. So exactly. You just gave a talk, and it, there's there's a really interesting relationship going on with these orchid bees because their whole goal with for the for the bee is to collect a fragrance, correct? Exactly. Yep. So it's not pollen. I mean, although they do need pollen and nectar, but it's males and sometimes females collecting fragrances or resins. What's going on in in your system? It's like this.
1: Um, There are the male orchid bees and they are the only bees so far known that collect the scent of the flower. So the flower don't need to produce nectar to attract these male bees. If we talk about pollen, it's a different story, because then we talk about female bees collecting pollen, making nests mm. and this stuff. They also need nectar, but they don't collect the scent. They only need resin, material to build the nest and nectar and pollen to feed the brood. But the males, they collect the scent. And this is strange. So they go to the Anturium flower and collect with their forelegs the scent and then store the scent in a special basket on their hind leg, where, which is hollow with a lot of hair inside and this is where the the scent in form of a lipid drop like a a fatty a fat drop of essential oil Mm. will be sucked in and then the more scents they collect from different flowers the better the perfume becomes and this perfume is not any perfume it is a species specific perfume so each orchid bee species and we have more than 30 species here has to collect their set of molecules and this They only find in specific flowers and they're called orchid bees because there's so many orchids pollinated by them. I think there are known more than 900 orchid species (laughs) exclusively (laughs) pollinated by orchid bee males, only collecting scent. They all have the different scents. They want to attract only a few bees because if they attract all bees, the pollen is wasted. They need specific bees to go here and again tomorrow go to the same species, but somewhere else. This is ideal. And I want to find out if, because they don't only visit Anturiums, they, they visit 11 plant families, which they also pollinate. And one of them are the Aeroids, the, the family I work with. And so you have the Anturiums here and the Spartyphylums, these two Again, genera. Two very familiar houseplants. Exactly. And they are visited by these bees in the morning. Not, not all the time. You need to wait a little bit, then these bees will arrive do their job, 10 minutes, collect the sand. Sometimes you have maybe, let's say, 10 bees in once, okay. and sometimes you have only one bee, okay. and then they collect the scent. And when they finish, they, they leave. And after a while, if they have enough sand, they go to specific perching sites on this fila trail here, <laughs> and they sit on like, not thick, but like thin trees, and sit there in two meter height, and then they spread the perfume they just collected. They put it on their mid legs, a small hair, and with their wings, they fan the the smell into the forest to do what the purpose of this perfume (laughs) is. And this is still not known. I mean, it probably attracts other males. They come there and then the one that has the most perfume can stay, and the other one have to leave. And the females just come and take the one that is on this perching site because she best. can be sure the the males they they already talked this out, and <laughs> the one that is here has the most. Perfume. How cordial! Hmm. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean this would be one hypothesis why sure. they collect the right. scent. And that's another reason this symposium takes place is to kind of have that pun intended cross pollination of ideas and get people working together that are on both sides, and then those people that work on on the system as a whole uh, to talk about this but you you have something going on with an anthurium where there there's an orchid involved followed by that I don't know if you are at the point where you can talk about that but yeah I mean um, it's
1: what we can for sure say we can go to this anthurium sure. here
0: it's
1: so this is already published by by me and my colleagues this is anthurium acutifolium and um, this is one where nothing was known about the pollination and it was also not in the focus of my study. The thing is that I thought it is an ornamental plant which is not native here because I only knew it from this spot in front of the office next mm. to this hammock. So I thought, okay, there are small stingless bees going to collect pollen during the male phase and they are not affecting pollination, they just stealing the pollen and... Who the real pollinator is, I will not find out if I have only one ornamental plant, maybe in the (laughs) place where it doesn't belong to. So I I decided not to study this plant. I didn't even know the name of the plant. (laughs) Then came this day where I was sick and I had to be in this hammock. So (laughs) I, I was forced to look at the plant and observe these stingless bees collecting pollen. Suddenly I saw... They're not collecting pollen, they press their abdomen, their okay. the their back body part, the belly, on the inflorescence, on the flowers, and go up, like five centimeters up, and go down five centimeters again, always pressed this uh, belly on the flower. Huh. So I thought, okay, as far as I know from bees, this is an unusual behavior, Exact, especially because there is no pollen. So I caught one of these bees, had a look under the microscope, I saw they have 13 antennal segments. That means it is um, male. Wait, it now? Is it yeah? I think twelve is the female and thirteen is the male. Mm. So I, I knew okay, this is a male bee, which is the link to the orchid bees is already there. Uh, so yeah. male bee doing something.
0: Yeah. Male bees normally <laughs> they just copulate yeah. and drink nectar. Yeah. That's yeah. it. But yeah. these know.
1: males collect something. <laughs> So I thought, okay, that's strange. Maybe I have here stingless bee males who collect maybe scent. This was my first idea because the the plant smells strong and collects this, uh, and and these bees are collecting something. So I was immediately thinking about the orchid bees and maybe we have an equivalent here. I found out later that this is not a stingless bee male; it is an oil bee male, which is oh. quite strange because. Um, Oil bee females normally collect oil instead of nectar to feed their brood. Ah. They collect oil and pollen and make the brood cells. And even they use this oil for lining the cell wall. Okay. So So impregnated. Yeah, it's very important for these bees. And for male oil bees, there is nothing known nearly. I mean, there were some cases where they saw male bees collecting also oil. Nobody knew the purpose. So, what we have found here is a male oil bee with their belly collecting something from that flower. The, the first suggestion would be, okay, oil. But in, in our investigations with electron microscope, with histological cuttings and coloring it and looking for oil, we had no oil. There is no gland of secreting oil or something huh. that is known from uh, these oil flowers that are specialized for the oil bees. So, our next hypothesis could only be they collect the scent so we looked at the belly of these bees um, washed it with a with a um, solution and found inside this belly also the same floral scent compounds that we find in this flower wow so we were sure okay now they collect they collect scent we still don't know why they do it yeah but what we need to to say here is that orchid bees normally use their secretion from a gland in the mouth parts to produce a fatty secretion, a lipid, mm-hmm. um, which can dissolve the perfume from the flowers, from the orchids. So they spit on their legs and then they scrape it. Oh, to, because wow. y- you, you cannot just take a scent from somewhere. It will disappear immediately. Right. You need something to dissolve it, to, to like in the in the film, the perfume. Yeah, you know? as a perfumer would. Yeah. The guy put everything in fat yeah to conserve the scent and this is what the orchid bees do with their secretion and then they put it in their in their baskets and they recycle this lipid this was found out by Thomas Els who is organizing this symposium mm-hmm. but the oil bees they don't have this they don't spit on the flower they don't make their, their, their legs fatty before with some secretion and now the oil mm-hmm. collection kicks in That's maybe why all the oil bee males sometimes collect oil. Oh, amazing. Because they need this oil to dissolve the scent from the inflorescence. And this is what Uh. I just saw recently, which which is uh, not published now, but will be soon, that these bees are also going to some oil producing orchids, collect the oil there, put this oil through several leg movements on the hind leg, from the hind like where they store now the oil they take it with a spur which is like a a small a narrow little thing like a small saw yeah
0: like a little knife coming off like a knife coming
1: out of the leg and they scrape with this saw like knife they scrape the 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 oil from the others from the other leg from this hairy pouch where they store the oil and then put it on the belly Uh, and with this mop like it's like a, uh, a mop to clean sure full with oil you can take every scent actually which you can
0: find <laughs> everything you have so that's yep. wow that's that's why i love ecology that's incredible <laughs> well if people want to find out more about this fascinating body of literature and it is a fascinating because i mean i have so much respect for the science you do because you have to be you're combining a lot of you know chemistry and biology and botany it's it's incredible um but if people want to know more about it how how, would, how do you recommend they find your work Um, The best would be just to go um, to the journal Flora, where
1: a special issue was published um, last year about pollination because Stefan Vogel, who was um, the discoverer of the oil bees and the orchid bee (laughs) perfume flower connection, Mm -hmm. he, he discovered this and described this in the 60s, but he died in 2015. Mm. And we made a symposium in Vienna about his work with a lot of talks. And um, there was this special issue. And there I published this work. So you just go to look for the work. It's called A Perfume Collecting Male Oil Bee? Question mark Evidences for a Novel Pollination System Involving Anturium <laughs> Acutifolium and Paratetrapedia chocoensis. Ah, oh,
0: I love it. Well, I will be posting links <laughs> yeah. along with this episode for that, But... <laughs> Florian, thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah.
1: Cheers, man. You're welcome, man. Yeah. I'm very happy to explain to you all this fascinating
0: plant world. And here. it is fascinating. I think you just made every houseplant grower that much happier.
1: We could we could talk uh, for probably two more hours about all these <laughs> aeroids here about yeah. rotting meat smell and 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 sweat smell and whatever. But well, this uh, consider probably... <laughs> this
0: an open invitation to come back on the podcast at any point in time. Yeah, exactly. Cheers. Pura wieder. Yeah. All right. I hope you enjoyed that revisit. What an amazing conversation. And I can't tell you how much more it made me appreciate plants in those genera. It just goes to show you that even some of the most common species around us have so many interesting stories to tell. And who knows what kind of new discoveries are awaiting us just around the corner. Of course, you can find all of the relevant links in the show notes for this episode, so go check them out over there. Florian has been very busy since that conversation, and I highly recommend you look at some of the research he's been doing since then. But I thank you all for listening. I very much appreciate your time and your ears. If you're enjoying this podcast, consider supporting it over at patreon.com slash indefense plants. You can also pick up a copy of my book, some of our customizable merch and stickers, and all of those links can be found in the show notes as well. Once again, that's indefensiveplantscom podcast. But until next time, hang in there, stay healthy, and get outside if you can. This is your host, Matt, signing out. Adios, everyone.